the Academy Award-winning director, Steven Soderbergh. Brett Favre claims not to know what a podcast is. You know, I have a podcast, Brett. Did you know that? Um, no, you don't know what a podcast is. <laughs> Reggie Wayne, Edred. I had a, a, a pet snake mm-hmm. by the name of Law. I'm not a snake fan. I don't like snakes. Why is a snake in the house? I get a, a, a text on my two-way. Law dead. <laughs> Chris Cooley threatened to prank call me. Tyson, how are you? This is David Dunn. Did I see you, No, you didn't because I'm recording this thing right oh, now, no, dude. No, this You're is the, the podcast. Uh, You're the Andy best. Reed did not call Tim Tebow last night. <laughs> too much. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us. I'm Richard Eisen. I don't download many podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the Rich Eisen podcast. Here's your host, Rich Eisen. Welcome to the latest edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast. I am your humble host, pleased to be on the cusp of the end of an interminably long preseason. That just got longer for the New York Jets and the Buffalo Bills and all these teams like uh, the Kansas City Chiefs who lost Tony Moyaki uh, to injury. Will Smith, the defensive end of the New Orleans Saints, just got lost. Again, so many injuries to talk about in the preseason. Thankfully, that is coming to a merciful end with the week four preseason games in which you presume very few players of any value will be playing more than just one series as we uh, get ready for the 2013, highly anticipated 2013 National Football League season. Pleased to be back here in this studio with my two Chris's in the flesh. Chris Law, back from Fantasy Week in New York City. Good to see you, Good sir. Good to see you, Rich. And back from his own little Fantasy Week that he created... Uh, uh, Chris Brockman, good to see you. Good to see you guys. Now, What's happening? You were in Baltimore for your annual fantasy football draft? Yeah, uh, I'm in a hardcore league, the Retired Orangeman Fantasy Football League, and every year we do a live draft. We usually do it in the lovely confines of Atlantic City, New Jersey, mm-hmm. and uh, we did one year in Vegas for the 10th year. But this year I proposed a new idea to have our draft in the city of the team that wins the Super Bowl. Oh, so you went to Baltimore. So then. we went to Baltimore this year. And uh, we had our draft inside the B&O warehouse behind Camden Yards. That's cool. On the seventh nice. floor. So the Orioles were playing, I they think. They were playing a game. So dur- in between picks, we would just kind of go look out the window and watch some of the game. And the night before, uh, we had a box suite for the, for the ball game where, where we announced our keepers. That's awesome. Not bad. Although, yeah. you know, you sent out a tweet of a picture. I did. And I saw the board. With yep. sort of the, I think we were like five rounds in, maybe something. Yeah, like but that. You, you had stickers and a huge yep. board and yep. everything yep. set up. By the way, you can get those through NFL.com if you'd like. Yeah, stickers is that right? Yeah, the part of the draft. Part kit. of the draft kit. Yeah, absolutely. That you can get on NFL.com. Yes, sir. And um, I saw that, and I thought to myself for a split second, I'm like, you know, here I am sitting here with my two little boys, right? Yeah. And a third still, we're waiting for her to arrive, and my wife. It's August. She would like to evict said child. <laughs> okay? And I'm like, wow, that would be so cool to be part of a fantasy draft like that where you're just – it's such a major undertaking. And I know really so is. many of the listeners out there right now are, are parts of leagues where it's an annual event and yep. people fly in from around the country. Yep. Uh, you know, I'm in two leagues. One is Garland's League where we everybody just does it by the computer because it's done in two seconds right, flat. Right. And I did that while watching Breaking Bad on Sunday oh, night. Oh, well done. And so that was a double dip right there. 
And then there's the other one in the league here with the Fishmonger, Fishmonger Santa Monica <laughs> and everybody else that lives out here that I really want to win. And that's done in person, but it's not a big, huge event. Yeah. So I saw yours, and I'm like, wow, that would be really cool to do that. And then I heard, how long was your draft? Uh, every year, this is a point of contention. How with long a few was of us. your draft? This year's draft checked in at seven hours that's and absurd. 14 yeah, that's minutes. Absurd. That's, that's, that's a, absurd. Now I don't want to be that's here. An ender, yeah. Now I don't want to do that. Well, before, Come you on. might want to do this. Before, we took a tour of M&T Bank Stadium. I'm sure that's great. No, that's part. It was of, great. Part of, that's part of you know, and, the experience. You know, I kicked a 25-yard field goal barefoot, which you I did. posted the video online on my Twitter account at Chris Brockman, which I'm sure you wow. saw. The, the, the wow. plug Chris Brockman. Yeah, but I, but I'm, I'm so proud every time you're self-promotional. I feel like I've got something Rich, to do. Rich, I've that. learned from the best, my friend. <laughs> I've learned from the best. ChrisBrockman.com, where all my fantasy weekend oh, recap and boy. my upcoming but power rankings. Seven hours. Yeah, it's, it's, ridic- it's ridiculous. My West Coast League drops in Vegas every year, and it, there's a three-hour max rule. It's if it's not well, done, let me there, tell you, you what. Let me just throw my buddy under the bus. He took 25 minutes to decide on a pick, dude. You don't have a clock? No, no. Time limits get voted down every year. That's what the hell's that, the matter with you that's people? A, that's and guess a, who he took with this 25 minute pick? Brian Hartline. Dude, <laughs> your draft. You just told me it is insane. Hold on a minute. You just told me. A group of men, grown men. Grown men. We're all, actually, sitting, actually, we're a 14-team league. 11 are married. So all of you guys are sitting in a room well, of grown men, and you waited damn near a half an hour for some guy to make up his freaking mind, and, like the name, and the name hopefully. that got spit out was Brian Hartline. I'm on my draft yep. in the Garland League and then this other league that I'm telling you about when we're all in person. Yeah. And if it's 90 seconds for each pick, yep. and if anybody takes like over a minute, there is all sorts of oh, believe oh, yeah. me. abuse. Your, Absolute yeah. It's just like, how do you not know? Exactly. 25 minutes? 25 minutes in the eighth round for Brian Hartline. That's freaking That's... crazy. Well, you know, we are going to be talking fantasy. We're talking fantasy right now. We've gotten a lot of tweets saying, hey, when are you guys going to get digging into this fantasy season? Because a lot of drafts are taking place. Yep. We are putting together a major fantasy podcast that is going to be coming out i believe within hours of this one being posted correct yeah that's that's the plan we're we're guest uh lining up and all of that and arranging well, well we're, we're all set right i mean we're 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 going to have the nfl.com fantasy experts of nfl correct. fantasy live that's correct or a, a combination of them that well, definitely includes fabiano and damashek fabiano damashek rank will be here and i believe akbar it's going to be stopping by for a little bit as well. All together. All together. With us. Yes. And then after them, Matthew Berry from ESPN. Yes. What more could you ask for? So we've got the ESPN fantasy expert after the NFL.com fantasy group of experts. Yes. So after that podcast, if you are not ready for your draft. No excuse. There is no excuse. Sort of like some asswipe <laughs> taking 25 minutes to choose Brian Hartline. That is untenable. Those are your words, Rich. That is untenable. Wholeheartedly agree with you. So let's quickly talk about um, the news du jour in the National Football League. A lot going on. Sure. Can I get one quick plug in for for the the event we just did? Because if people. If you well, don't we just enough, talked all about what he did last if week. If you so don't get ahead. enough of this, it's all archivable on info.com. What we essentially did was we took a 105-year-old theater in New York. We brought in former players and our experts. We had live drafts going on above. Obviously, if you liked what Brockman just said about his team flying somewhere to draft, we're going to be doing this again next, this again next year. It's completely free to be a part of. So if you want your group to come and draft – We'll make it happen. Um, details will be coming. We'll let you know. But so people can have their draft yeah, at this draft. We had we had That's awesome. twenty 
five total leagues, I think, drafting. Uh, so it's like a mass a wedding? It's like those mass <laughs> weddings? <laughs> we had a featured table, though. Think like World Series of Poker. Oh, wow. That's and cool. And the featured table had the actual NFL commissioner's podium there. And day one, our commissioner was Michael Irvin. So for the first round of their draft only, Michael Irvin came and announced that league's <laughs> wow. entire pick. Second day, the commissioner was Javon Kurse. And the third day was LeVar Arrington. Meanwhile, this is up in an elevated area. So 20 feet below is our show going on. And then... That's 250 cool, fans loaded up. Very so, awesome. Awesome event. If you just go to NFL.com slash fantasy, you can, you can watch some of the stuff there. You get great advice from those guys. Did a lot of the listeners stop by? I know you were like Yeah, there were a, couple, a, couple people, a bunch yeah. of people stopped by, tweeted me, asked how they get in. Tickets were completely free. Um, probably will be in New York next year, but there's some bigger plans on the horizon, so we'll let you guys know if it changes. Now let's get to the news of the day and, and this show. Um, and the news of the day involves, again, injuries from the preseason. Do you remember another preseason where there were this many big-time injuries? I do not. But then again, this is the most covered. Every year in the NFL is the most covered year in the NFL right. in terms of scrutiny, For sure. social media. You're now, you're now getting on Twitter, if you follow beat writers on Twitter, training camp, you're getting real-time updates on seven-on-seven drills. Right. You're getting real-time updates as to who's riding the bike. And you're finding out more, like, immediately, it's, it's more immediate that you're fine. I don't, it's more me to be in the past. We would still know who got hurt. That's I'm true. just saying the that's number true. of injuries just, this year is I, just out of control. I think so. And and as some of the guys that we mentioned at the very top of the show, Will Smith is gone for the season. Stevie right. Brown is gone Big for the time season defensive from the Giants. Players. And that's lost yep. in what happened with the Jets this weekend because mm-hmm. of how Sanchez gets hurt being brought into the fourth quarter of a game they had no business being being in. And you know. I, I don't want to belabor a point that everybody's been hitting. I mean, Keith Olbermann's first 15 minutes back on ESPN was spent on the Rex Ryan, and he took our he took Manish Mehta to the woodshed at the top, the beat rider of the New York Jets who tweeted out that Rex should be fired for putting Sanchez into the game in the fourth quarter of a preseason game. Now, again, Sanchez says he's day-to-day. He met with the media on Monday and the media is sort of trying to figure out what's going on because the Jets used to be wide open on injuries, and they've shut it down this year. But when they, they, what they're hanging their hat on in New York City, in the media in New Jersey, in New York City right now, is that when Quentin Copels was out for the year, they said he or it was when, not out for the year when he broke his ankle. They said he was out indefinitely. Right. And here they say for Sanchez that he's out on day to day. And Sanchez says he's not going to go much into his injury here. But he had no business being in that game. And no, it was not a, at all. And it was an unmitigated disaster post-game, too, because the Jets and the Giants play in MetLife Stadium, and I guess as part of their their ad sales group or whatever the affiliate sale, whatever the, whatever the business side of the operation is there, uh, both teams, I imagine the Giants agreed to do this, too, was awarding to the player of the game or the MVP of the game the Snoopy Trophy. <laughs> The Snoopy Trophy, and um, that trophy was apparently presented to Rex Ryan as the player of the game. Right? Well, because there was no player of the game. The starter, Geno Smith, had three interceptions and, a, and an Orlovsky stepping out of bounds for a safety in the end zone. Oh. And he did have a drive at the beginning of the second half, but it was against the Giants' backups. Against the ones of the Giants, he looked thoroughly raw and not ready for prime time. Not at all. Which is why everybody thought, well, Sanchez has won the quarterback competition by default. As we talked about on the previous show with Daniel Jeremiah, all that 
Geno needed was a clean sheet in the yep. first half, and he probably would win the job. And he was, he was anything but. And that's why everyone's like, well, wait a minute. Sanchez is coming into the game. It looked like Sanchez didn't even know he was playing. When he's warming up, there was a shot that we that, that, that everybody – is it a gif or a jif? Do we know this yet? I think it's Jeff. I don't really know. Actually. I think it's Jeff. Where Sanchez had two, was he's warming up and he's somebody, whoever's warming up with him, two guys warmed up with him, two footballs hit him at the same time. <laughs> the only thing missing was the Benny Hill soundtrack to this whole thing. You know, so. Um, it's always something. And, and long story short is that everybody thinks that Rex made a mistake. And Rex said he wanted to compete, and he's wanted to win the game, and he's standing in front of a Snoopy trophy. And it just added to the absurdity of the decision to put Mark Sanchez in that game and put him in arm's way. And Marvin Austin of the Giants blew him up. We have no idea if he's going to be ready for week one. We figured, who better to talk to about all of this? I mean, let's not get a beat writer on the phone. No. Let's not get somebody. I was even thinking, let's be called Judy Batista because she was there at this press conference. And she was, as you know, when she came on this podcast a few weeks ago, the one who asked <laughs> the question of Herman Edwards that right. sparked the you play to win the game rant. And, and, and this rant. was the odd sort of, you know, this is stepchild. You know, right. I shouldn't use that phrase, but the odd sort of. Uh, but this is a situation where descendant of of that with him saying that he's playing to compete to win a preseason game. Right, a preseason game where you should be evaluating your team when you have no idea who the starting quarterback is and you're just trying to win a meaningless game. It's it's, it's amazing what's going on in New York. Uh, yeah, and and the only thing they're saying is that it Sanchez is definitely out for Thursday's preseason finale and the Jets say on Tuesday they're going to announce the starting quarterback on game day. It doesn't matter who's playing that game. It really it's game doesn't. four. It's going to be Sims oh, it's not, probably. Well, it's certainly not going to be Geno Smith yeah. who's who's not. He even had said his ankle's not 100% which right. harkens back to the day that he injured it in Detroit. Yeah. In that preseason game. I'm on the set with Sapp and Irvin. Sapp watched him turn his ankle and the way he turned it in a certain manner. Didn't look good. He goes, ooh, that's the bad type of ankle sprain. I'm like, high ankle sprain? He goes, worse. He goes, it's that, the, the way he turned it and where he heard it. You guys can, you listeners, you gals, you guys out there can go download the injury. I, I, the way he'd hit it and the way he heard it, Sap said to me on the spot, it would have been better off if he had broken it. And I'm wow. like, really? And he gave me that, that quintessential Sap look like, I know ankles. Yeah. I've hurt my ankles, buddy. <laughs> and why are you questioning me? And why are you questioning me? And he even said on Monday, he's not even close to 100% on his ankle yet. They should rest Geno Smith, too. Both of these guys who have a possibility of starting week one at home against Darrell Revis, of all people, and the Buccaneers, they should sit him Thursday. Let me ask you this but, just a hypothesis theory here, not that it was intended this way, but if, 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 if Rex would have started Geno Smith week one if the Sanchez injury didn't happen, then he's done. He can't then go back. He's lost Sanchez. He can't go back. He I can at least see that, what he man. has. I disagree. Everybody says he, he can do that. He can, but... Everybody says that, oh, Gino has to sit because Sanchez needs to start because it's much easier to go from Sanchez to Gino Smith. Fine. That makes sense. I understand. But the, the, the flip side of it is that, well, you got to start... You can't start Gino because it's tougher to go to Sanchez. That's BS, man. Sanchez ran into the ass of his guard in front of the entire country and fumbled it against the heated rivals. It doesn't get any worse than that in terms of indignity suffered. So him having to come in in week four or week five and take this team back over, that is an absolute cake situation for him. 
in my estimation. I'm pulling for Sanchez. I don't know why I feel bad for him. I just do. For this little theory well, out there. Because a lot of people think that maybe if he had a different set of circumstances. He might be a decent NFL quarterback. Right. So we're going to talk True. about all of this with, as I said, not a beat writer, not a, a member of the media, but Joe freaking Namath. Broadway Joe. Who never bites his tongue when it comes to this sort of stuff. We're it's gonna, amazing that he is so uncensored. He's, I mean, he's Broadway Joe. Talk about been there that's and done I, that. That's what I mean. He's untouchable. He's Teflon. What else are you going to say? And, and being from New York City, being from Staten Island, that guy is a, a lord. He's a lord. And in terms of football players and the history of that city, he's he's the only Jet that would even be considered for Mount Rushmore. Don Maynard, uh, with all due respect to him, you know, you got to put a Jet up there. It's Namath. And who else? I don't even want to talk about it. So, Joe Namath's coming on, and then the rest of this stuff, because I understand there's jet fatigue out there in the, uh, in the populace, but this is still a, gr- a huge story. We'll talk about it with Joe Buck. And the Jets aren't the only team in, in the uh, New York area that's got a problem. The Buffalo Bills, the people of western New York, will always say they're the only team in New York <laughs> State, which right. is true, but uh, they have, I mean, they have a major problem on their hands. With Kevin Cobb suffering a concussion that has him out indefinitely, E.J. Manuel, Doug Marone, says he's working his butt off to try and get back for week number one. But as things stand right now, it's a quarterback competition between undrafted rookie quarterback Jeff Toole out of Washington State and Matt Leinart, who Jeff Toole said on Monday, Jeff Toole said he was in the stands of the 2006 Rose Bowl as an eighth grader. What? Watching Matt Leinart. That, that, is, that is incredible. Game. Was it the Vince the Young? Vince Young. Yeah. the Vince Young coming Matt out Matt Leinart game. The guy who, Matt Leinart, all these years later, is battling for a job that wow. may not exist eventually. That Matt Leinart, who has a chance to, if he gets to start against the New England Patriots, talk about a major opportunity for Matt Leinart that just comes out of the football sky. I don't know if he's going to get that shot, because Tool, at the very least, even though he would be, since 1950, the first undrafted rookie to start week one of an NFL season Incredible. for his team. Our crack research staff sent that out last night, and it, it, that blew my mind. He at least has gotten some time in the system, so he's got a leg up in that regard on, on Leinart. But I, I tweeted out because you know I was going to a party on Saturday night that I had to go to, a 50th birthday party of a friend. Mm. So after this whole Sanchez stuff happened, I had to hop in a car. So I had the uh, the missus, Susie, I had her get on Twitter. I'm like, tell me what's going on. You know, just read the, the timeline. Yeah. What's going on here? And the first tweet she saw was from uh, Will Brinson of CBSSports.com who said, Cobb out with concussion, Sanchez out with shoulder, Belichick out with neck injury due to evil laugh. <laughs> because the first two opponents in division for the Patriots this year, he could be the Patriots in Buffalo facing Jeff Toole. And on a short week to kick off Thursday night football against Geno Smith, who Look, looked thoroughly unready. Look out for the Dolphins in that division, I'm telling you. So uh, we're going to talk about um, everything else that's going on in the NFL with Joe Buck, the voice of the NFL on Fox. And he caught, he caught a Fox. game last week? A big, oh, yeah. Big Yankees, uh, yeah, he Red Sox a, game? Every right? game that you thought was an announcer who sucked. <laughs> he apparently called. Uh, if you, if you Him and Jim, Jim Brockmeyer on were on the call for that game, right? <laughs> Unbelievable. He Ugh. gets railed more on Twitter than any, any other announcer. And, and just to quickly get to that, uh, Joe tweeted out 
two weekends ago that the Red Sox-Yankees game, where the people were angry with what he was doing on the call of that game, was exploding on his timeline, except for the fact that he wasn't calling the game. <laughs> it was Kenny Albert. So, Who's great. Kenny Albert's great. But they thought he was rooting for the Red Sox or rooting for the Yankees and blowing up Buck on his call. These trolls out there, man. And he, for some reason, attracts the trolls like no other. So we'll get to Joe Buck, but first, on this podcast full of Joes, Broadway. He is a pro football Hall of Famer, and 40-plus years after winning the still-only Super Bowl in New York Jets history, he is still the face of that franchise. He is none other than Broadway, Joe Namath. How are you, Joe? Oh, Rich, I'm, I'm excited about this upcoming season, uh, getting started with college and our pro season, of course. Yes, I know. I, I want to get to you on college first, but obviously the pro season uh, with the New York Jets, um, I, I've got to start off with this past weekend's events uh, that has left Rex Ryan on the griddle, to say the least, in New York, and Mark Sanchez uh, questionable for week one and maybe beyond. What were your thoughts on the developments that occurred on the preseason game Saturday night, Joe? Well, I was surprised, of course. I I couldn't understand Sanchez going on the field or being put in at that stage of the game. Um, it, it was a shocker to me. I know everyone has uh, said, you know, what were you thinking about, Rex, or, or why? One of the things, Rich, I, I'm surprised that uh, – Marty Morningwig didn't say, hey, hey, wait a minute, coach. Whoa, 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 whoa. Stop. Wait, let's not put Mark in right now. You, you know, it, it didn't make any sense at all. And I don't know what uh, Coach Ryan was thinking about. Uh, it, it, and, and still, in my paying attention to the interviews with Coach Ryan and all, he hasn't a uh, Clearly, I wish you'd just say it was wrong. I made a mistake. But instead, talking about the competitive feelings and wanting to win, uh, boy, that's just beating around the bush. I mean, my man made a mistake, Rich. You, you don't put, you do not put your quarterback in there uh, in that situation. Not not the guy that is probably going to be your starter behind a makeshift offensive line in a preseason game here. Come on. There was no rhyme or reasoning for that. Well, what do you think Sanchez is feeling right now? All he's saying is that I'm not giving you details on the shoulder um, and uh, I, I hope to be ready for week number one. That's all he's saying publicly right now. What do you think he's thinking, Joe? You know, Rich, for the last four years and here too, Mark has been the good kind of uh, teammate and uh, disciplined uh, player with the coaches and said all the right things. I'm not sure that Mark has really stated how he feels inside, how he feels uh, Sincerely, I hate to say honestly because he's a very honest guy, it seems. But, uh, you know, going back to last season even and and, uh, what he went through mentally uh, was a real focus breaker. And what he's going through this season, uh, uh, he's been damn good, uh, good player to have on your team. He's carried himself, conducted himself well, and... What he says about just being ready, uh, I know that that's how he feels. He's going to be ready to go. 
but what's his arm going to be like? Mm. You see, now by having that injury, he may not be able to throw the ball. We don't know that yet. And if that's the case, now where are the Jets? Well, the interesting aspect of it, too, is, Joe, is that much of the fan base didn't want Sanchez back with the team anyway. And now the fan base is in a situation wishing he was there based on the way that Geno Smith was playing in the first three preseason games. So that's sort of a two-part question. The first part I'm going to ask you first is, do you think Sanchez is still a viable quarterback, even if his arm is well enough to play week one and beyond to start the season for the Jets? Do you think in that fan base that you are so attuned to so well that you are so revered in, do you think that Jets fan base can still look at Mark Sanchez and the number of turnovers that he had over the last two years and still look at him as a viable quarterback? Rich, I do. You know, I can't speak for the fan base. I've seen some foul-ups. I've seen Mark make some foul-ups, uh, starting with the first preseason game again this year with that screen pass to the left uh, when I couldn't even find a receiver myself after several replays. <laughs> Uh, so I, I don't think the fan base is going to be receptive 100% to start with. But if Mark were to get the nod to start, and if he played decently, didn't make a glaring error, I think the fans are intelligent enough to know that he's the best option at this point. And it's still a team game, Rich. I, I go back to that. I'm more concerned with the Jets starting offensive guards in that line position. I'm more concerned with uh, the receivers. Hopefully Holmes is back. Sanchez, if, uh, if, what a big word for only two letters, huh? (laughs) (laughs) If Mark doesn't throw the ball into the wrong spots and uh you know yes he he can he can be a good quarterback and i expect him to play in the nfl for a number of years but uh last season was awful in every way practically you wanted to look at it especially the offensive standpoint and the fans uh, we were all very frustrated with the way uh, the Jets organization, the team, uh, you know, went about business. And and that leads to my second part of the question, and that's on Geno Smith. Just the mere fact that he's he's there. Just the mere fact that he is on the team with Sanchez still there and a new general manager who didn't get to pick his coach who is on this team and chooses Geno Smith and the coach – you have to think with 16 games left on his contract, which is what he has, wouldn't want to use a second-round choice with so many holes to fill on a raw quarterback. These are all assumptions that I believe to be true. The question is, do you think the direction from the top, Mr. Johnson, has created all of this that led to a Rex Ryan decision on this past Saturday to blow up in his face? Does it go all the way up the flow chart in your estimation, Joe? Uh, it does, Rich, to me, and I believe that the group, the board that Mr. Johnson meets with outside of his direct football family there, uh, maybe he created a new one, 
looks at uh, the, the game in a different way, in a different fashion. In other words, winning is important. However, uh, there are other aspects that they may deem more important. Uh, the headlines, the media being in first place in that direction uh, has consumed, it, it, I think it's consumed a, a part of that franchise. And uh, there have been some decisions that we scratch our head over. Geno Smith, yeah, uh, that's caving in to the response of the fans last year and the way Mark played. Uh, if you're going to go ahead and draft McElroy, why haven't you give him more playing time or more of a chance to show himself? Uh, Phil Sims, or excuse me. Matt Sims, uh, yeah. Matt Sims, yeah. He looked pretty good the other night. And uh, Geno Smith is not RG3. He's not Cam Newton. Geno Smith is not a ball carrier upfield. Now, he looks like a good athlete, but he didn't run that ball a whole lot of times in college. He hasn't got the physicality of those other ball players at Kaepernick. Uh, he hasn't filled out yet. Now, Russell out at uh, Seattle takes it upfield now and then, but I don't think that's a forte of Geno Smith's. Uh, I, it remains to be seen if he's got a future, and uh just because he did have an off game the other day, uh, a few bad throws. Uh, uh, well, you probably saw it, Rich. Uh, Tuck made a heck of a play for the Giants coming out of that three-point stance and making that one interception. Uh, the other two interceptions were poor throws, and stepping out of the end zone was a, uh, oh, man, worse than a rookie mistake. You know, a quarterback at that level is supposed to know that. He just lost his cool, obviously. Uh, but other than that, Smith has looked decent. Uh, I, I don't think enough to win the job uh, when it comes to the main game coming up uh, against Tampa Bay. I mean, are you going to entrust uh, the operation of that offense to a rookie that uh, hasn't really played much ball in the NFL uh, or the preseason and believe me Rich, you know these defenses come regular season time are a lot different than preseason time well, certainly when Darrell Revis is in that defense <laughs> week number one so last question yeah. on the last question on this topic before we do hit college and then of course the nameth rapid cooker we gotta hit on hey. that too yes um so uh what is your – I mean, you, you bleed Jets green. Like I mentioned, you're still the face of the franchise. And you are also as honest in your assessment of the team that you love so much. So what is your relationship with the organization as it currently stands right now, Joe? Clumsy. Awkward. Uh, expressing myself and giving my opinions uh, – uh, I, I tell you, none of us rich, you know, when we're in a position to be critiqued, uh, uh, if it's not good, we don't like to hear it. And, uh, I know it's been uncomfortable for, uh, the Jets, Mr. Johnson, uh, Rex or whatever. It's uncomfortable for me and has been since I've been around them and noticed, uh, the subtle change, uh, 
uh, in our relationships. Uh, I feel uh, I'm not happy about that, but uh, that's the way it is. Uh, I, I'm frustrated with the way they've gone about putting that team together since inheriting uh, most of the players uh, that they inherited when Rex took over from another regime. What they've done since that time is just taken it downhill, uh, but seem to be winning uh, what might be their main battle for them, the media battle of New York. Let's talk college. You're an Alabama guy. We all know that. Week two, <laughs> Texas A&M, Johnny Manziel, who took a bite out of you last year, and we all know what's going on with Johnny right now. Johnny Football, who's supposed to, we're all expecting him to start against Rice this week for Texas A&M, which is a little bit of a risk for A&M because if he is uh, ruled uh, ineligible down the road, this could be a vacated situation for a win um, and also uh, probation. But that said, if Manziel plays week two and they find out that he wasn't eligible, that could uh, lead to all sorts of stuff with A&M and SEC and, uh, the, uh, and Alabama in terms of uh, a win or a loss. Where do you stand on the whole Johnny Manziel scenario, Joe? All right, Rich. Uh, first of all, um, I, I hope we come back to this. We do have Virginia Tech first. That being said. Okay, very we'll good. Go to Johnny no, Manziel. you've, got, no, you've yeah. got Virginia Tech first. Okay, We'll very come good. back to that, okay? Okay. <laughs> uh, but uh, Johnny Manziel... And uh, the issue that is uh, all right uh, has been going on here, I guess, for a few weeks. I don't know how uh, it's going to turn out today. Of course, they had a meeting. Johnny met himself with the NCAA people today. Tomorrow we may get some answers. Did he sign 4,000-plus autographs uh, for brokers, uh, guys that were collectors, and did he do it free? Uh, that remains to be seen. How quickly the NCAA decides something, uh, they may take as long as they did with the Reggie Bush situation in USC. Uh, they may take as long as they did with the Cam Newton situation down there at Auburn. Uh, they may decide something soon. I, I just don't know. Uh, I think in this day and age, that uh, any athlete on uh, the college level would be smart enough to know not to breach the kind of rules that they may be accusing Manziel of breaching. I hope he does play. I hope he is clean about this situation, and it's been a misunderstanding of some nature. But, uh, Rich, I don't see a guy signing 4,000-plus autographs doing it out of the goodness of his heart unless it's <laughs> Unless it's for charity people, the military or something, you know, unless it's a charitable cause. Uh, So it's pretty scary. Well, a lot of people think that, however, uh, if he did take money for it, even though it is against the rules, there should be a rule allowing him to make money off of his own name if, say, his school is charging thousands upon thousands of dollars a head to sit at his table to raise money for the stadium. And that the, and that this is a different day and age that that uh, we're we're currently talking about than say when I was in college or even when you, you know when you were in college, Joe. Do you, would you agree with that assessment? You know, I'd like to agree with it, but I haven't really given this some hard thought. I haven't talked to the people at the universities, coaches, and what they think about it necessarily. How does it change a kid that's eighteen, nineteen years old, twenty years old? 
suddenly uh, being allowed to go out and earn money from personal appearances, uh, signing memorabilia, going back to his uh, sophomore class with a hundred grand in the bank. Uh, what's that do to his focus, uh, his effort? He's uh, a young fella. I don't know whether they're ready for that. Uh, at the same time, uh, the scholarships are different today, Rich. You know, they do take care of the student athlete, uh, uh, fairly well. So, so I, I don't know where you draw the line there. Yeah. I mean, the schools continue to make, uh, uh profit uh, off of the athletes and, uh, the athletes get their scholarship and all. Why shouldn't they get more? Uh, I don't know. I, I really, I, I'm not intelligent enough. I haven't thought about this deeply enough to talk to the people about this enough. Uh, I'd, I'd be afraid to have a sophomore in college, a player, a young kid, go out and be able to make appearances and sign autographs, put a hundred grand in his checking account or so, and go back to school and say, "I'm hungry. I, I, I'm focused. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go do what I need to do to keep learning and growing." Uh, I, I, there's a lot of sides to it, Rich, uh, and I can't give you. A definitive answer. Well, it, you you did lead me to the final segue of this conversation. If somebody's hungry, they should go out and go to www.namethrapidcooker.com. Pick themselves up a Namath Rapid Cooker with nine zones of temperature cooking. Infrared technology. It cooks two times as fast. Great for tailgates, camping, and cookouts. It is also, wait for it, a 2013 National Hardware Show winner. This is not just any rapid cooker, Joe, right? You're right. It's stainless steel, and it's also easily handled. It breaks down into two pieces, Rick, where even the wife can carry it <laughs> one at a time, of course. And that is uh, nameofproducts.com, and thank you. I love it. Okay. We worked hard on it, and it is a quality uh, quality uh, cooker. Nameofproducts.com, uh, also nameofrapidcooker.com, and uh, you should go out. It's the official tailgate grill of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, too. So, oh, that's right. That's, that's right. And, boy, we got some tailgating coming up in these next four or five months, don't we? That's right. So it's a perfect time to go out and get that. Also, follow uh, follow you, Joe, at uh, Real Joe Namath on Twitter. What what if what if there was Twitter when you were playing, Joe? What if you had the ability to just send out to thousands upon thousands of people any thought or photograph of what you were doing at the time? Could you have handled that back when you were playing? Not properly. I'd have got myself in more trouble than I'd want to, and it'd been more of a distraction for me. I wouldn't have been able to focus on some other things as much as I know now I needed to or would need to. No, that, that this is a whole different game these days, Rich, and uh, I'd probably develop a worse bit of posture than I have now being bent over looking at that dad Twitter phone and stuff. No, I'm just thankful that it wasn't around at that time. Well, Bear Bryant certainly wouldn't have allowed tweeting. That's for sure. <laughs> what you thought? Tw- tw- tweeting? Well, what is that? What in the hell are you talking about? <laughs> Joe, you are the best, man. Thanks for calling in. I hope to have you on uh, later on in, in the fall. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Rich. Likewise, buddy. I enjoyed it. You bet. That's the one and only Joe Namath on the Rich Eisen podcast. There is nobody like Broadway Joe Namath. There that really isn't. I, mean, I know you can throw that broke the mold stuff around a little bit, but 
I mean, that's a Forrest Gump type type life, and I'm not just saying it because he played at Alabama, but I mean just yeah, what, what he is nice. what he is done with his life and what he stands in the city of New York and how he operates himself and how he talks. Yeah, we Nobody talked about that with Connivale. Like that, right? He's just got that cool, that cool talk. Yeah. you know that athlete, hey, man. that athlete out there. I mean, I got that. Hey, man. I mean, and how how great he just went right into that Bear Bryant imitation. Oh, that was incredible. He, hey, he brought up something I haven't heard much of, and that's where was Marty Morningwick during all this? Yeah, you know, I know, but I mean. What is an assistant going to go run? Rex the is coach a defensive saying, guy. You're, if you're an offensive coordinator, Rex admitted like, to not watching the quarterbacks in week preseason yeah. week one. I, mean, I don't know. It's not a mess. Uh, his lane. I don't know. And Rex is, an, uh, by all accounts, like a, a a a good guy, a decent guy that you know that you want to like, and you know. He's got friends in high places, as you saw with the... Indeed. I really liked uh, Joe talking about Twitter. Could you imagine social media back in his heyday? No way. But as you also heard, it's an awkward, clumsy relationship right now with with management. You know, it's not easy to have your, your, you know, management. What are they supposed to do? They're being second-guessed and criticized by, and in many cases, rightfully so, by the face of that franchise. And they have to have a relationship with him. You know, he's he never short of something Joe. to say. The, the, the Manziel stuff, you know, brought up the. I liked his line. I don't see a guy signing four thousand plus autographs out of the goodness of his heart. <laughs> right. Mean, so that's what's going on uh, with the New York Jets. As for everything else going on, by the way, during this uh, conversation, the Green Bay Packers uh, put Dewan Harris on injured reserve, which um, Man, which throws one. which throws it wide open. In the running back back backfield, putting it flat out on the shoulders of their of their rookies. I know James Starks is there too, but this appears to be Eddie Lacy and uh, Jonathan Franklin show here with James Starks to provide that balance on. Um, Man, a couple of rookie running backs in the NFL to, fl- to provide that balance on. Uh, they haven't had a, a 100 yard rusher in over 40 games in a row. Everybody's <laughs> talking about this balance to help keep Aaron Rodgers upright. Dewan Harris is not going to be the guy. Keep him out several weeks, so they're going to allow him to fully recover, and we'll see if they designate him to return. Um, and that, again, why, that, that Eddie Lacy in your fantasy drafts now, that's got to throw him up further even up the, the draft boards. I took him in a 10-team uh, league uh, Monday night. And we'll have a fantasy podcast up within hours of this one posting, as we mentioned at the top. Yep. Uh, Michael Fabiano, Dave Damashek, Akbar Baja Miller from our shop, Yes. Here at NFL.com and NFL Media. And then uh, from ESPN, Matthew Berry, the talented Mr. Roto himself, if, all in one podcast. If, so if you, you have a draft. This is it. This is it. I mean, I know that there's draft kits that, you, again, you can get on NFL.com, starter kits and things yep. of that nature, and lots of tools to help you out. So you can get those on NFL.com, download the podcast, listen to it while you're seeing all this stuff. Absolutely. I mean, we've got you covered on that podcast coming out within hours of this one but right now let's send it out to st louis and chat with joseph buck he is the seven time emmy award winning voice of the nfl on fox and mlb on fox and by the way had a great call of the red Sox and dodgers this weekend uh that is i didn't do that either what no you didn't do that one either no i didn't I but I guarantee you I was accused of rooting for both the Red Sox and the Dodgers by their opposing fan base. Yes, because you love rooting against everybody. Somehow I've managed to do that. I don't know that it's possible. I'm no, I, I flunked uh, math in college. I actually transferred out of a, 
probability and outcome class at Indiana <laughs> University, and yes, I was an Ivy Leaguer, uh, and because I couldn't figure out any of that, and I don't know how I've been able to manage to do this, but somehow I've been able to accomplish rooting against every team, which seems impossible, but I've done it. Well, that's how you get seven Emmy Awards. Is you be- got to juggle that stuff if you're going to win seven, Rich. I'm yeah. not going to lie to you. Yeah, you know uh, what? You're you're a humble man, so I know that takes a lot for you to say that. No, um, it does. I mean, if there's one thing you know about me, Rich, it's, uh, it's that my nightstand is filled with Emmys. <laughs> nightstands, plural. My nightstands. Well, yeah, you need more than one. That would be one large nightstand. For those who don't like me, they really don't like me now. Oh, boy. Let's do our best what, to, what, to, so, to pull this out of the ditch. So what is your next game are you is, is it week one are you are you let me guess let me guess uh you're you're packers at niners yes that's my next game week one off we go it ends in uh in the middle and uh can't wait to get after it it's gonna be I, I i don't know maybe it's this way every year but i i just can't remember a time when there's been this much anticipation it seems to build every year and with this super bowl coming in new york um you know, I I, th- I think this is going to be a hell of a year. Did you see that story about the the farmer's almanac? Did you see that? Am I telling yes. you that came they came out? I was and, just told about that. And it's funny they they used it, I guess, to get publicity for for the new farmer's almanac, saying that from February one to three, they're calling for a major storm to hit the northeast area, and they did it in uh, in August. They make well, that prediction. I- I know that, that you're like me, and you typically buy the Farmer's Almanac for the centerfold in the pictures, <laughs> but uh, I, I don't know that I'm going to go to the bank with that information. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll the dice and hope that somehow, some way, the farmers are wrong. See, now, but you're, you're, cold we- you're from a cold-weather city, so am I, and I don't understand why the Super Bowl can't be played in cold weather when playoff games the iconic playoff games, Tuck Rule, um, Ice Bowl. The, uh, there's no nickname for it, but the, the, the game after Kellen Winslow was dragged off the turf in Miami because of the heat, he went to Cincinnati that next week, and it was sub-zero temperatures. Peyton Manning against the, the Ravens this past year, zero degrees. Uh, where I think people with voices that, that count – if you want to put it in that category, I think the only reason why they complain are because of the parties. You know, I mean, yeah, it's it's going to be in New York, and it could be cold, and people could slip in their uh, stiletto heels and their Bruno Molly shoes going into uh, an NFL Network party. But beyond yes. that, this is football, and I'm with you. I've never people. Well, it's such it's such an advantage for a cold weather team. Well, you know, how about if the run and shoot Oilers got in the Super Bowl and played on you know perfect conditions on a turf under a dome it's just it's part of the game and i love it i mean i i hope it's cold i hope it's snowing i mean i don't root for ice but you know to, to get pictures in a super bowl that involves snow i think will will really make it i think that much more special as dumb as that sounds no it's I, true I really no it's in de- indel it would be an indelible image and yeah. and uh, i i would look forward to it too and 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 people are well. I mean, you know, where are you going to sit? I'm going to be uh, doing the pregame show for a gajillion hours. It, at, which, by the way, it starts tomorrow. The pregame show. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll be yeah, I'll be sitting outside next to Dion, who's going to be wanting the heater, 
and he'll be he, he may have his electric blanket on his lap, but we're going to be out there. I, I'm I'm looking forward to it for sure. One thing my dad told me when I went to AAA and start my broadcast career back in 1989, he said, "I'm going to tell you two things. One, if you think that you could make the play ten times out of ten times." then you can get on these guys on the field and be critical that way. Otherwise, realize they're doing something you could never do and respect that. And two, nobody in the listening audience cares about the announcer's golf game. Nobody cares if the <laughs> announcers are hot. Nobody cares if the announcers are cold. And so I th- I'm saying that because it's a long preamble to say that whether it's the Ice Bowl 2 in Green Bay back in the 07 season or it's a random – December game in the Meadowlands, we're out in the elements. We're not in a controlled environment. We're not in a closed-off booth. We're Sometimes we're up in an area where wind is just whipping through the box, and it's, you know, it is cold, but it, that's just part of it. And I love being in the elements, and I love kind of, you know, enjoying that or struggling through it with everybody else. It's fun, and that's the way it should be, even for us announcers who refuse to complain about it. Well, it should be beautiful weather, certainly in the Bay Area, uh, for the first Sunday in September, and the Packers and the 49ers, and you take a look at the NFC landscape with the exception of the Falcons, um, those are, and and obviously the Seahawks as well, you, you have two of the contenders for the NFC title in 2013 right in front of you, and a rematch of the game in which the Packers got bounced from the playoffs last year. Aaron Rodgers um, back at home in Northern California. It's a great game. How how do you see both of these teams entering the season? Let's start with the 49ers, Joe. I think think the 49ers are one of the top two teams in the NFC, maybe in the NFL, but I think it's the 49ers and the Seahawks. They happen to be in the same division, but – uh, yeah, Atlanta's in the mix. You could throw in some team that could get hot in the NFC East. Uh, you know, I, I think I think San Francisco and Seattle will end up playing in the championship game, and one of those two teams goes to the Super Bowl. Green Bay, to me, is a team that I think has a ton of question marks around it, and it's because of the defense. And it's because, you know, I know they're better up front defensively, but they got shredded by Colin Kaepernick, and they start this season with Kaepernick and then RG3 at Lambeau Field. To me, San Francisco, if, if I have to pick a team, yeah, they got there last year. It's an easy call, but I, I still think they're the class of the NFC. And I think Green Bay, they've got the best quarterback, in my opinion. They've got some weapons there, but they have trouble on their offensive line. We'll see how good Lacey is at running back. And they have questions defensively. How much better did they get from last year when they weren't good enough to beat San Francisco? So I, between those two teams, I see San Francisco as, as the team to beat not only in that game, but uh, in the NFC in general this season. So where do you stand on the NFC East, which was won by the Redskins last year? The Cowboys, we all understand, have taken virtually every duty away from Jason Garrett except for game day and week mat- week-to-week and management of the team. He is allowed to dress himself. Well, we don't know about that yet. I right, mean, I have not seen com- – he hasn't confirmed or denied about dressing himself. Uh, Giants, obviously, we all understand, um, have won it twice when we least expected it. And then you've got the Eagles with Chip Kelly. I imagine you're going to be calling a predominant amount of NFC East games again this year on Fox. Where do you see this division? Totally wide open. I think you could every team, as you're going through those teams, I'm thinking of answers to your question. <laughs> and I can come up with five reasons why they will win and five reasons why they won't. Um, 
I just don't know. I mean, the defending champion of that division, the Redskins, if RG3 is right and RG3 is what we saw last year, then to me they're the team to beat again this season. But we don't know until the wraps come off week one exactly what we're looking at as far as what he's able to do. I mean, a big, obviously the big part of his game is being able to run and, and then pass off the run, and they've got the running back and Morris, and they've got – you know, there, there's a lot there to like. Um, Dallas, I, from everything I, I've talked to Troy about this last week, the surprising thing is that their defense has been what they've been most excited about, and I think people had the most questions about that, bringing Monty Kiffin back to the NFL to try to run that thing. Um, I'm still a Roma fan. Me too, I, by I the way. Like what me he, what too. He has on the outside. Me, me too. I am too. I, I just, you know, he just ha- he does have the knack of of the worst possible moment for a turnover, but he also has the knack to throw throw the lights out in the fourth quarter last year. I just think year. you have to live with that. And I think had had any other quarterback been behind those patchwork offensive lines, I think the same thing would have happened. When they were the number one seed and everybody was freaking out about the Cabo trip, their offensive line fell apart in the second half of that game against the Giants. And that that's why they lost that game. It wasn't Romo, but but he's an easy target for whatever reason. Philly, who knows, with Chip Kelly and and what they do and and how good they are offensively. The questions there are the defense again. Um, so I I don't I feel oh the Giants. I mean the Giants, they've got the potential of having three killer wideouts if Ruben Randall is as good as they say he is. Um, but now they've got injuries on their offensive line. But but I think top to bottom. You know, they're still the most solid team, and we'll just see how they come out and play. And then you got the Falcons, which um, who who uh, got uh, Tony Gonzalez to come back on the friends and family plan. And, right. and then Steven Jackson uh, in the mix, a 10,000-yard rusher from the Rams now in that backfield. Where do you see the Falcons? Do you think they have a chance to be playing in front of you? Uh, I know you mentioned San Francisco and Seattle is your belief, but but the Falcons out there have a chance to be playing in front of you on that February day. In oh, Jersey. no doubt. I mean, I, I think it's easy to forget how close they were a year ago. Um, so, you know, you have to love the quarterback as, as a quarterback and as a guy. Um, they've got the two big weapons on the outside. They add Steven Jackson. They've added OC defensively. Um, they They really didn't have a ton of holes defensively anyway, so – you know the coach is great. There, there's just nothing not to like. So, yeah, but they that all that has to translate into playoff wins, and that, as we know, the last few years has been hard to come by. But mm-hmm. there's no doubt. I mean, they're they're in the group of, let's say, the top five in the NFC. But you and I, and anybody watching and listening to this thing, knows full well that there's going to be a team that we're not talking about. It's going to get hot. It's going to surprise everybody. And uh, I'm also smart enough to not pick that team. <laughs> but, I, you know, I, I'm sitting here talking to you from St. Louis. They're going to be a lot better this year, and, and they may surprise some people. But I still think the, the Super Bowl team from the NFC is going to come from that group. We've got, uh, we've got the Rams hosting San Francisco Week 4 uh, opener of Thursday Night Football. Game. God, that would be a great game. I'm very much looking forward to that and hope you might actually be in town. Yeah, uh, for sure. I'll, I'll for that say game. Hi. And um, the, the just, I just hope the Rams, I, I mentioned the other day that, you know, uh, Jared Cook – their tight end compared to the rest of that offense, he should he's rolling around on a rascal. You know, I mean, everybody else is as green as they come. 
on that offense. I just don't know how that offense is going to connect with Sam Bradford. You know what I mean? I don't think there's – yeah. I mean, you mentioned Cook. Cook has got the same kind of speed, they say, as Amendola, uh, and obviously twice the size uh, target-wise. You know, they've got these young guys on the outside. If Tavon Austin is as good as Cortland Finnegan, his teammates, as he is, then they got the steal of the draft. If Brian Quick is a good receiver like they think he is, then they have a big-bodied wide receiver to go with some of those uh, some of those other weapons. I, to me, it's all on Bradford. If Bradford is, and I think he is, and they rave about him, the guys there that I know, and now that he's going to get protection, they say he's got a chance of being one of those guys that's talked about as one of the best young quarterbacks in the NFL. But you got to go do it, and he's going to have to do it, and he's going to have to show to me, and I know a lot of other people, that these first three years of getting pummeled, that they haven't had the effect of you know ruining a guy's confidence. And if he can shake that off and use these guys, then my God, you know they've got some weapons. They're young, but but defensively they're good. It's just a heck of a division. I think Arizona's a lot better. So I, you know, that's going to be a fight. And maybe that slows down a team like the 49ers, or maybe that slows down a team like the Seahawks record-wise. Uh, to where they may lose a home field game in the playoffs because they're they're getting beat up in their own division. Well, Detroit's another sleeper that nobody's talking about right now, certainly in that division with Minnesota having the reigning MVP and the consensus overall number one fantasy pick in Adrian Peterson and Chicago having uh, a new head coach with an offense that everybody does expect to be less Brandon Marshall-centric. It has to be. But what about Detroit in your mind, Joe? Do, do they have a shot to make uh, some hay? It seems like it to me. Yeah, it does. I mean, if you look at the season that Stafford had last year, it was phenomenal. And Calvin Johnson was record-setting. And, uh, you know, you you wonder about their ground game. I think Reggie Bush is a huge addition to what they're doing. And I, it's not, I don't think, running the ball. But what they do downfield with Calvin – opens up everything underneath, and that's where Reggie Bush is, is still a killer and somebody that, you know, the defensive coordinators, they want to find where he is on every play. So I, I thought that was a huge addition with what they have downfield. Again, it's defense, and for me, secondary with the with the Lions, if, if they're good enough and able to hold up on the back end. But offensively, uh, you know, they've got good tight ends. Um, their offensive line has improved. They've got a good quarterback that can sling it and slings it now more than he ever did. Um, I, I like them a, a lot as well. I mean, it's it's easy, and that's the fun of the NFL. You know, if we had this conversation going into the baseball season, the, the numbers of teams would be severely limited. But you and I are just talking about the NFC, and, and that's that's what excites me about launching into the season. You can make a case for, you know, you can make a case for 10, 11 teams to say they've got a legitimate chance at, at making the playoffs or advancing to the to the big game. And then there's uh, the AFC where everybody believes, you know, it's basically Denver's conference to lose. Um, I guess we're forgetting about Houston's ability, but, you you know, you just saw them personally this week again calling that Saints-Texans <laughs> right, game. Yeah. Um, Baltimore, yeah. I mean, nobody really sitting here thinking, you know what, the Ravens really have a chance to repeat here, even though they are looking pretty darn strong um, in the summer right now. Do you think it is 
Denver's conference to lose, essentially, Joe? I, well, yeah, and, and that game was theirs to lose when they lost to the Ravens and Flacco on that heave at the end of the game. Um, yeah, I, I think it'd be an unbelievable story, and to think that Peyton Manning could, could be as good as he was last year, and he wasn't typical Peyton Manning with his arm strength, but obviously you've read the same things I have or have seen it. Um, you know, he's throwing the ball even better this year. So they're going to miss Vaughn Miller, obviously, the first six games, and that's a big chunk of their defense that's gone. But, yeah, I, I think with his leadership, his ability, what they have, what they've added, um, I mean, Wes Welker is is – one of, in my mind, still one of the most legitimate weapons any team has, and now you're putting him with Peyton Manning. There's so much there, um, and and I think the rest of the conference doesn't stack up to that. And maybe it is those two teams you mentioned. Maybe it's Baltimore again, and it's uh, and it's Denver. And I think Denver would be an unbelievable story. So uh, Shanks and Hill are on their knees every night, hoping Eli and Peyton make it to the Super Bowl. Oh, that's, that's well, I think, you know, the one thing that, the, yeah, the, those are the leaders at Fox, and, the, you know, that would be great, but we're going to get a great rating no matter what it is because right. it's the Super Bowl. Right. And, you know, they they are down there praying baseball-wise plenty, so they're, they're good. Uh, we'll <laughs> that's, what they're using the, that's what they're using their prayers in the series, right? Yeah, I, I don't I don't think they need to worry about the NFL. <laughs> do you have your schedule? How, how deep into the season do you have your schedule right now? Um, I would say the first five weeks, maybe the first six weeks, All and right. then I go to baseball, and Tom Brenneman comes in and does the games with Troy. And so I, I would say the first almost half of the season is, is pretty well set up, although they always reserve the right to change. And that's why the flex schedule's in for NBC, and that's why it is what it is, because there is going to be some team that you think is going to be great that's going to stink, and there's going to be some team that you think is going to be a non-factor that's going to be great, well, and that, that's what makes this fun. Let me, get, let me guess, Let me guess because I guessed week one, right? I've got the schedule up here in front of me. Let me guess. Week two, looking at the Fox games, St. Louis, Atlanta, Minnesota, Chicago. I've already mentioned like, it. Hold on. I'm at Washington at Green Bay. That's got to be you, right? Yes. Okay, so you got Green Bay the first two weeks, right? So there's gonna be Mike, a lot of you and Mike McCarthy and and uh, and Aaron Rodgers and Troy sitting they're, down. They're one of the great teams for us to talk to. They and are? you know the other one, as far as giving information no. to the announced team, the other one is New York. Tom Coughlin is the best sit-down meeting guy, is most right? open, actually really funny, not at all what you would imagine. He's great. No kidding. Yeah, McCarthy McCarthy's great too. There. It's the coaches that are confident that aren't worried about that stuff that will give you. It's it's the paranoid guys mm-hmm. that, that just don't <laughs> reveal anything. So week three, oh, uh, this ju- just jumps me right in the, hits me right in the face. You've got a game at New England, Tampa at New England. You got to go there, right? Is that where no, and, no. And I'm so yeah, no. Okay, oh. hey, what's the next choice? Okay, you got Green Bay. It's St. Louis at Dallas. That's that would sneaky. have been my pick. That or the New England game. Neither oh, one is right. Neither. A- Arizona at New Orleans. Detroit at Washington? Nope. Atlanta at Miami? You can do nope. that? That's a late window. Wow, I haven't even hit this yet. I'm batting zero. Giants at Carolina? No. Wow. You just brush by it. I just brush by Um, Green Bay at Cincinnati. So you got them three weeks in a row? Yeah. Oh, my Lord. Wow. That's a team in the AFC we didn't mention, but they're, they're well, that, be good hey, as well. listen. I mean, a lot of people are ju- always jump on the hard knocks bandwagon, right. but they they have made the playoffs two years in a row, 
and they they have what a lot of people are saying is the sleeper rookie of the year candidate in Gio Bernard, the kid out of North Carolina, is a sleeper rookie of the year candidate. Right. So you'll see him up close and personal. There yeah. you go. Okay. Green Bay at Cincinnati. I would never. I clearly would not have guessed that. I, didn't I was. Guess that. I was surprised, but uh, you know, happy to go wherever they point me. Of I'll course, go do it. Week four. I'm having fun. I don't know about you. Uh, Chicago at Detroit. No. Then you got Giants at Kansas City, Arizona at Tampa. Oh, that. Why, why would I not even just Philadelphia, Denver? That's a wrap right there. Yes. You're, you're, please. So you'll go see Peyton that day. That'll be good. Go see Peyton. And Philadelphia. And my group has them a couple weeks later against Washington, which will be a good game. Yeah, because we have Philly week three opener. Talk about a delicious piece of Philly steak to bite into, mm. uh, which is Andy wow. Reid's return to Philadelphia, which is opening up week three. So we'll see what Philly's like going into that game. That'll be interesting. Philly at Denver. Week five, New Orleans at Chicago. I won't even go any further. Oh, Philly at Giants. you got to go Philly. Philly at Giants. Philly at Giants. And then week six, you even have that one? Week six? I'm gone. Then I'm baseball. You're but baseball. But I can tell you who it is, I think. Uh, it's Jacksonville. New Orleans at New England. Yeah. Okay, that's a late window on Fox. Then Washington, Denver, I think. And then, uh, no, that's not. Washington, De- so you're going to be gone for a while. I'm gone for three games. Yeah, Washington to Denver is week eight. Uh, there's Chicago at Washington, week seven. Dallas at Philly. In Dallas Oregon. at Philly. There you go. Neat stuff, yep. man. That's it. That's the. Uh, those are the main games on Fox. First eight weeks. No kidding. That's it. And then, so the World Series. Give me, give me your, give me your hand out. I don't care because I'm a huge Yankee fan. I know they're not making it. Um, what are you giving it a valiant effort in one of the weirdest years in the history of sports? I'll tell you what, man. A Rod, what happened the last? Two, that makes Rex Ryan looks like child play with what happened with oh, Rex yeah. this past weekend. Yeah. The New yeah. York media. Do you have an Do you have an MLB prediction? Uh, I think it's going to be one of the two teams from the East. I, I, I'll pick Boston, but it could very well be Tampa. And then the Dodgers. I think the Dodgers. Yeah, I just don't. I don't see anybody. Although Pittsburgh would be a great story. I think the Cardinals are really good. I just think. I I think the Dodgers are. You know, it's it's too good of a story to have it end before the World Series. And think about this, Joe. I mean, I know you. This is going to be your seventeenth or eighteenth World Series that you're. Yeah, playing. I don't even. I think it's sixteenth. Okay, and and so you have been at this for an absurdly long time for somebody your age or our age right now. Right. Um, Vin Scully just re-upped for his sixty-fifth year. I know, and I get booth. people online. They're like, hey. Jerko, why don't you step aside and let Vin Scully call the World Series? I, I'm all for it. I, in fact, I'll sit at home. I'll, I'll promise to watch every game he can do. <laughs> so I'm pledging that now. But I, it's unbelievable. He's incredible. He's 85 years old and is still this master storyteller. And, you know, I think Summerall's the best ever to do what I attempt to do uh, on TV, just his understated you know, let the fan enjoy the moment style that he had. And, and I've Vin's the best to ever do it on TV. And, and that's taken my dad out of it because I consider my dad a radio guy. But, uh, you know, he's the best to ever do it, and he's still incredible. I think the game, and being around it, I saw it with my dad, has the unbelievable ability to keep uh, people young. And I saw it with my dad sitting in the players' lounge before games listening to Nelly. You know, just just being around guys, being around players, and and interacting, and it's it's a great way to stay young. Although I pl- I pledge to you, Rich, if we're 85 and we're doing a podcast, and I'm talking about whatever game I have this week, please drive to wherever I live and shoot me. 
<laughs> we should be so lucky, Joseph. Come on. No, I know, I know, but just, just put me out of my put me and put the country out of its misery. Well, it's interesting you say you consider your dad a radio guy because, th- in many ways, the catch is the play in the history of the NFL that more people remember. I know there's the immaculate reception that's way up there too. But when you just mention a play, the catch is certainly in the top two or three. And if I'm not mistaken, your dad had the radio call of it. You're right. And, and Vin had the TV was? call of it. Vin had the TV call of it. That's right. And you know who his radio, my dad's radio partner was? Who? Pat Summerall. No kidding. And they were matched together for years, but they sounded so much alike, CBS split them up. And my dad was the first guy to work with Madden. And then they switched it all around. Summerall was with Brookshire, and then Summerall ended up with John, and, and they comprised the best to ever do it. No kidding. Yeah. But think about that. Your dad's calling the catch on the radio, and Vince Scully is doing it on television. I know. It's incredible. And then my dad called the Gibson home run on radio, Kirk Gibson home run in 88. And I don't Vin believe what I just saw. TV. Right? I don't believe what I just saw was your dad's call. Yep. And then that Vin, it. And Vin did it. Think about that. Two of the more seminal moments in the history of respective sports documented by two of the all-time greats. Yeah. You can't... One booth away from each other. No kidding. Yeah, yeah and Vin, Vin, I mean, you see it now, too, just watching those games here in Los Angeles. And they give him, I think, twice a game. They cut out a commercial break so they can come back, and it's Vin in the booth with his back to the field, just riffing on on either something that he saw earlier in the game that he wanted to talk about or completely apropos of nothing from the game, just a reminiscence of Walter Alston or something from Koufax. Or mm. some, and, and we'll never see that again. No. I mean, ever. No. That whole, you know, he's kind of the last voice of that whole group, you know, that, that whether it's Ernie Harwell or Harry Carey or Bob Prince or – Guys that just dedicated their lives to a Major League Baseball franchise, and and they were as important off the field as they were, meaning away from the stadium as they were in it. And and you know I saw it with my dad, and these guys become such a big part of the fabric of the communities that they end up being in a position to raise money for so many great causes. And I would tell you that of all the things that my dad did. What he was most proud of was the money he raised for cystic fibrosis or the money he raised for the Matthews Dickey Boys and Girls Club in St. Louis or things he was doing even to the day he died in the hospital trying to continue to raise money. And, and that, that was an, it was such a great way to grow up watching that example. I've tried to follow through on that, but uh, you know nobody can touch what he did in this city just raising money, and he did it from the platform of being the voice of the Cardinals. Unbelievable. That's great to hear, Joseph. And and uh, before I let you go, did did you climbed which mountain with your dog? Kilimanjaro. That's what you did when? Right after the Super Bowl this year? Right after the Super Bowl um, in February. And I got approached by Doug Pitt, who's Brad Pitt's brother. And uh, they they raised money for bringing clean water to Tanzania. And that's where Kilimanjaro is. And, and I sat with him on a Sunday night after I got back from a game. And he said, well, I just thought he wanted me to interview him, and he said, I want you to climb it, and I'm not outdoorsy at all, Uh I mean, at all, and uh, (laughs) when he said, you know, you should bring your daughter, who then was 16, 
my daughter Natalie, my oldest daughter, I thought, you know, when am I ever going to get a chance to do this with my daughter before she flies the coop? And uh, we did it together and had an absolute ball together, slept in a, in a tent, no showers for a week, and uh, got on each other's nerves and tried to tackle this thing and laughed a lot. It was it was unbelievable. But I got to the top, and uh, I'm going to leave this earth one for one, climbing a mountain. Good so I will you. never do that again. So when you got up there, did somebody um, tell you that they thought you were rooting against the local team? Yes. When you finally, yeah. you when you hit the apex, you got to the top. They're like, There's why the- Why do you root against the Maasai? <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous. Like, I don't. Just get out of my way because I want to go down. You spend five and a half days getting up to the top. You spend ten minutes at the top, like Clark Griswold at the Grand Canyon. And then you turn around and start down. You're the best, Joe, man. Uh, you are uh, truly... Uh, unique in everything that you do and well, um and i love having you good. i don't want to be vanilla well that's for sure you're not and i really right. always appreciate when you call in and good luck throughout the season i can't wait to see you in st louis in a few weeks yeah we'll do this before the super bowl or whenever i'm always happy to come on actually thanks Bye, buddy that's joseph buck who uh will be on the call of uh i believe this week's jets and uh eagles game yeah right um and uh, so send all your tweets at Buck uh, when, uh, Please. when you when you enjoy that call of that yes. game. Take care, Joe. See you, Buck. That's Joe Buck on the Rich Eisen Podcast. Joe Buck, everybody. Think about it. Think about it. Name me, in any sport, one of the most seminal plays of the past 30 years. In the NFL, you'd have to say it's the catch, right? I mean, I know there's... No offense to you and your New Englanders. I know there's the Tyree catch in the Super Bowl. I'd rather not think about that. And maybe two decades from now, you know, it, it, people will still be, we'll talk about it in, in reverential terms in the same way that we're talking about the catch with Dwight Clark and Joe Montana. That wasn't even in the Super Bowl, and we're talking about it that way. The Immaculate Reception we talk about, that wasn't a Super Bowl either. Right. David Tyree, who knows? The legend may grow, but the equivalent would be if the son of Vin Scully was calling that on the radio. Okay, Joe Buck calling it on television and Vin Scully's son calling it on the radio. Think about it. The catch was called by Jack Buck on the radio, Vin Scully on television. Then in baseball in the last 30 years, to choose a play. I mean, so many. There's many of them, but up there with the Gibson home run? Yeah. I don't think they're – I mean – Clearly, I can't rack my brain to the point right now after all the discussion we just had. But, I mean, Gibson's home run, obviously the one, you know, the Kirby Puckett home yeah, run Kirby that, Puckett. that Jack Bu- that That's... Joe also used when it was a similar situation, a walk-off game six home run at home to force a game seven. Right. And he used the same line that his dad used, we'll see you tomorrow night yep. in that World Series where, with, the, uh, Cardinals. with the Cardinals. With the Freeze one? Right, yeah. with Freeze. Freeze hitting in that home run, we'll see yeah. you tomorrow night. I mean, that is seminal. Joe Carter obviously hit that home run. But oh, Gibson's home run, that. I'm sorry. Come on. But Gibson's home run, right? Jack Buck on the radio, Vin Scully on television. It's awesome when you think about that. It's pretty amazing. Like the most seminal moments in the history of the sport called by two legends and two different mediums. I don't know of another sport, even you want to throw basketball or hockey in there, where that happens. 
I mean, it's all, it's it's so much fun to think about that. But I'm a broadcasting junkie, yeah. So that oh. sort of stuff really gets gets to me. I'm trying to think. Of I mean, I'm trying to think if else? like if like Marv was involved in something. Well, I think Marv may have called Tyree on the radio. You you might be right uh, about yeah. that. Marv may have been in the radio booth for that. I wouldn't be surprised if Marv wasn't doing the at the time Westwood, Westwood one, one yeah call of it. But neat stuff out of uh, Joe Buck. Forgot we forgot to get his REP picks. I meant to remind you of that. We'll, yeah. Maybe we'll email him or something and we can throw those up. Yes. What was ten year old Chris Law doing the night Joe Carter hit a home run? Touched them all. I remember as Jack Buck said. I remember that entire series because that was really the ninety two season was the first year I really started paying attention to baseball and I met all the ninety three Phillies at Kodak picture picture day. I have photos with all of them. And I had a 10-inch black and white television in my room, which color was clearly around, but my parents wouldn't, you know, they sure. didn't want you to have a TV. The, the night of that game, it, that whole series was on CBS, and I, that was one of the three channels I could get on the television. I remember seeing the, 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 uh, the home run there. And I went, to the, um, I went to the playoffs against the Braves in the championship round. Uh, it was the Phillies Braves, and I was about seven feet away from catching a David Justice foul ball. Nice. I'll always remember that, but uh, that was heartbreaking. But oh eight, you know, we got the championship, and the city of Philly is no happier. There's still, <laughs> there's still miserable sports fans, which I love because we all are. No, but, were you? Did you cry? No, I don't. I think at ten, I didn't even really. I might have. Who knows? I, I cried in 1981 when the Dodgers beat the Yankees in the World Series, I was 12 or maybe even 13 because I knew it was Reggie Jackson's last game as a Yankee. Wow. I, uh, oh, so I that cried, was in your consciousness? I cried, that cried, that... cried myself to sleep. Oh, yeah, of course. I was definitely old enough to understand free agency. And it was his and last game and all that. And I knew it, that he was, he was done, he wasn't coming back. Wow. That's when he went to the Angels yep. to finish up his career. Oh, man, I cried like a baby. Uh, we should have asked Joe those picks, but hey, listen, we kept him on the phone long yeah. enough. So um, our fantasy podcast comes out within hours of the NFL Fantasy Live crew here and Matthew Berry, uh, also part of that podcast. Very excited about that. You had uh, I listened to the I only got through Daniel Jeremiah on my flight. I haven't listened to Fowler. I'm going to. But we talked injuries earlier. You brought up he brought up the interesting theory on that of thud two thud games that are open to me. I I don't know what your take is on that. Um, because obviously, as we're seeing, all these stars going down. I just think it should be two preseason games and out. Two and done? This week right now. This week right now, pretty much everybody's 53-man roster, mentally they know who it's going to be. There may be a few guys, and I, and I understand that these guys deserve a shot, et cetera, et cetera. But figure that out on a practice field. Yeah. That It should be over. We should not see these guys this week. Period, end of story. And this past week, too, I feel the same way. I feel the same way, man. I mean... I understand that they need to get these things together and they need to face live bullets, and I understand that our bosses see a business opportunity to, to, to hold games. Two and out, man. Two and out. I'm, I'm, this year is totally convinced. Again, uh, just hours before this taping, Tony Moiaki's hurt, broke his shoulder. Jonathan Cooper's out. Will Smith out for the season. Jonathan Cooper, Stevie Brown. We're all, I mean, I'm, I'm ranting and raving about the Jets, and I'm, I fully expect all the tweets saying, oh, there's the New York Jets podcast again. But um, it is truly remarkable. You don't see this anywhere. No. What happened with the Jets and then the post game with the Snoopy trophy, you don't see that anywhere. That's but really the, the, the most significant injury in that game was suffered by the Giants. Right. Stevie Brown out for the season. 
And that, and I understand players get hurt. I get know, it. Questionable Giants defense just got a little worse. Two and out. But you should listen to that Fowler conversation. It's amazing. Yeah, I'm, look, I'm looking forward uh, to it. I mean, it's, it's great. Again, he is at the U.S. Open this week doing yep. it for ESPN, and he is a master of the information there. I mean, he knows everything about everybody and, and what people are talking about and the, the scuttlebutt of tennis. He's involved. He's locked in, and he's a fan. He's an aficionado. He's a, he's, he's a professional. Little known fact. And then all of that stuff. And now he also knows college football. And even better. Amazing. It's crazy that they've been doing college game day for 20 years now. He said 24th. Yeah. For him. They've been doing, they've been doing it longer. But, but he, the, just uh, him, like 24 that years. crew, though, that, uh, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. A little known fact about Chris Fowler. Went to my middle school, Park Forest Junior High. And he upped and went to, to Colorado. Shout out to Park Forest Junior High. If he's giving hey. shout outs to, to Trojan Matter. Hey. Do you have an international shout out of the week? Yeah, I do. You want to dance for a second? I will dance. Well, a much, we have, much more, we have a much more upbeat podcast, as you said, coming out, all about fantasy. So most people have their drafts. I got a draft tonight. I have my Vegas one is next week because we discussed this on the phone I, or last week when I called in. I have the draft after that Thursday night kickoff. Yeah, we, we, we talked about it in my other league that I'm getting set to draft. Your um, draft is after the kickoff? After Thursday night kickoff. It's oh, yeah, you did Saturday say that. Night. Yeah. Do you want to – real quick, I'm going to call up my, my, my team that I just drafted. Or should I save that for my uh, – Save that one for, 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 for the Fabiano and those guys. Okay, so that will be coming up in merely within hours. Have we tap danced long enough? Yeah, I got it. Uh, at Jim, uh, Jim Roberts, at Stanley Jim, international shout-out for his future wife, Gail. They're getting married on the 31st, and their honeymoon includes 49ers at Seahawks. She's a Seahawks Yeah. Yeah. Good for that. So congratulations. congratulations. Where are they from again? Not LSU, Stanley Roberts, correct? No, Jim Roberts is from... Oh, Jim Roberts. Northampton, England. Yeah. Nice. Very good. Excellent. Thanks again. Kave, you sat in uh, for this whole thing, even with Law here. Right, right. Getting that experience. You know, it's my off day. Came in. You did. I'm, good for you. I'm Welcome into run. the studio. You're above and beyond with 20, <laughs> 20 days of uh, of Hall of Fame and Fantasy Week and podcasting. You're in so. A- if anything slips by the goalie this week, you can tweet at Kave. How do you spell that last nah, name again? I switched it at Rich's Urgent. Yeah. Yeah. Simplified, easy. NFL Kave. At oh, NFL nice. Kave. At the end of the old. How do you spell Kave again? <laughs> for those people, <laughs> I knew that. I was just at NFL. Kava. There you go. Which, Easy. oddly enough, Simple. nobody had that. Nobody had <laughs> nobody, that. Nobody had it. So it was available for Kave to swoop in. Good for you. <laughs> at NFL Kave. Let's get those numbers up for him. Love it. Uh, at Chris Brockman, at Chris Law, thank you. Uh, follow at Buck, at Real Joe Namath. And, uh, of course, uh, for the uh, At The Eisen podcast, I'm at Rich Eisen signing off. And for all of us here at the Medill School of Journalism, Thanks for joining us. I'm Richard Eisen. Stay listening, dear friends.